0: so much for listening today as Dr. Scrapers reminds us that sometimes the greatest comfort of the Holy Spirit comes to us in the form of a small reminder that our loved ones have shared in the resurrection of Christ. Wherever and whenever you are, I'm glad that you're here to worship with us today. Now, I have a couple of things to share with you, and I'm going to hit the most important one right off the bat. No, I do not have something on my upper lip. And I don't want you to go through the whole service today thinking that, that I had a freak shaving accident yesterday morning when I was trying to get ready to come in, uh, actually for the memorial service, wherein we had the opportunity to lay to rest one of our long-time, dearly beloved uh, church members, Patsy McCall. Um, and so I was up yesterday morning, I was shaving, and I slipped and cut myself in a place that is, uh, turns out, is very, very difficult to get a bandage affixed to. So if you happen to see that today, that's, uh, that's what's just keep me in your prayers, not only as my lip heals from that, but also every other time I shave in the near future, I wouldn't mind your prayers um, as a result of that as well. All right, so there are some things I'm excited about that I want to share with you, um, and not, not the least of which is this. I've been sharing this uh, some in some of our services recently. As a result of a tremendous amount of effort uh, on the part of our audiovisual team under the leadership of Devin Kuchenbecker, they do a fabulous job each week of making sure that we stay connected with our entire congregation. Um, again, you know, wherever and whenever you might be. And so we're really grateful for the work they do. They have just re- recently started converting our messages to podcasts. So you can download those now on Spotify iTunes, uh, Google Podcast, or Anchor. You can find it in any of those places uh, for the last several weeks. So, uh, whether you're running, if you're working out, I like to run every morning and I love to listen to podcasts and audiobooks while I'm running, uh, or whether you're driving in the car, doing your chores, or just hanging out uh, in the afternoon and enjoying what it looks like might be a little bit of better weather, uh, hopefully in the near future. Then sit down and enjoy those podcasts and Take a moment and tell our audiovisual team, drop them a note or send them a message, let them know how grateful you are for the work that they do and the work that they have done to keep us connected. Um, As we prepare for Easter, now, right now, we're in the midst of a, a theme, the theme for 2021 is Stories of Faith. And so in each of our Sunday morning services right now, for every month, I have been focusing on a different Uh, sub-theme within that that larger theme of stories of faith. So we've taken a look at stories of God's healing power. We have taken a look at stories of divine intervention. Uh, This week we are taking a look at stories of comfort from the Holy Spirit. Uh, Next month, with Easter Sunday being on uh, Sunday, April 4th, we're going to start a, a theme in April about stories of new life. And so between now and then, I, I want to encourage you to focus on something. God has been doing uh, some amazing things through our shared ministry here at Southern Hills. Uh, God has been doing some amazing things through the outreach and mission that happens here in the Oklahoma City metro, uh, through the study and worship that, that happens that, uh, not only on our physical campus every week, but that we live stream uh, and send out to all kinds of places all throughout the week. And we have been uh, blessed by, by those great things that God is doing here, I want to encourage you to join with me in stepping into that redemptive work, stepping into the redemptive work of the Holy Spirit in different ways. So many of us are already studying, already worshiping, already volunteering, and that's why um, so many lives are being changed and people are being reached each and every week with the love of Jesus Christ. Our overarching theme going forward is going to be that. You're going to hear me talk about sharing the love of Jesus Christ over and over and over and over again. Why? Because on the one hand, I think it's very simple to remember. I think it's a very simple theme, a very simple focus for us to remember. Sharing the love of Jesus Christ in as many ways, with as many people, as the Holy Spirit empowers and leads us to do. So you're going to hear me talk a lot in the coming years about sharing the love of Jesus Christ. I also want to share that as a theme for us to focus on Because I truly believe that you could spend the rest of your life allowing yourself to be loved by the transformative love of Jesus Christ and seeking to share the love of Jesus Christ, and it would not have been a wasted life. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do, particularly between now and Easter, which again is Sunday, April the 4th. I'm going to unveil tomorrow uh, in our director's huddle. We have a huddle with our uh, staff directors here at Southern Hills every Monday morning at 9 30. So tomorrow I'm going to unveil an idea that I want to share with them. They're going to be working to get that out together with you so that together we can start focusing on one thing and one person. So I'm going to encourage you to focus on one thing and one person. Now just like sharing the love of Jesus Christ, I think that means several things. But let me start with this. One thing one person. One of the things I want to ask you to do, wherever and whenever you are, is to start praying, start thinking about, start finding one thing that you can do every day to share the love of Christ with one person. One thing you can do every day to share the love of Christ with one person. Now, at the end of the day, I want to encourage you to sit down in the place where you pray, wherever that is. And if you don't have one, find one. Sit down in that place, and spend just a few minutes giving God thanks for the blessings of your day. And in the midst of that time, I want to encourage you to give God thanks for that person that you you did one thing to share the love of Christ with. It may be the same person a few days in a row. You know, the Holy Spirit may connect you with somebody who really needs to have somebody share with them the love of Christ. You may do something profound to share the love of Christ with one person, right? Right? or with a uh, repeatedly with one person. It may be somebody that you never see again, somebody that you never, ever know. I remember I had uh, one parishioner once tell me that every day we were sharing stories about running. Uh, This was a person who also liked to run in the mornings, and they said, you know, uh, it would be like for a year, I would be out running, and two or three times a week, I'd look down, and I'd find a, a nail or a screw on the ground, and I would pick that up and put it in my pocket, take it home, and throw it away, so that somebody would not drive over that and get a flat tire. And they said, at first, I thought, you know, this is probably something that isn't making a big difference. But then this person said, I was praying about it, and I realized that somebody, you know, two or three people each week had a day that didn't include an unexpected flat tire. One thing, to share the love of Christ with one person, whether you know them or not, and at the end of the day, give thanks for the blessings of your day. And include that person, whether you knew them or not, whether you met them or not. One thing, one person. Do one thing each day to share the love of Christ with one person. And you'll be surprised at not only how much your world changes, but how much our world changes. Now, between now and Easter, uh, I'm going to encourage you, and I'm going to be bringing our our directors and our staff uh, and many of our volunteers into this as well. But between now and Easter, I also want to encourage you to pray about reaching out to one person wherever and whenever you are and wherever, whenever, and however they might connect with what God is doing here at Southern Hills. I want to encourage you to pray about one person to invite to be a part of what God is doing here. Maybe you invite them to connect in study or in mission and outreach. We have a number of ways to do that. Maybe you invite them to participate in worship. You know, one of the great things about our virtual campus is that you get a chance uh, to to interact with us through the virtual campus in a way that, particularly right now, may feel much, much safer to you. You also get a chance to become familiar with who we are, how we do what we do, and what it's like to worship here before you ever step foot in our campus if you're local. You may be worshiping from Kansas City or Dallas or Shreveport or Virginia or Washington State or any of the other places that we know people are worshiping from. I want to encourage you wherever and whenever you are to find one person between now and Easter to reach out to and invite them to participate in what God is doing here at Southern Hills to share the love of Jesus Christ. So we're going to share some of that. You're going to hear me talk a lot in the days and weeks and months and years to come about sharing the love of Christ and the many different ways in which I believe God is going to both call us as a congregation and equip us to do that. So I was shaving yesterday. And I was shaving because I was getting ready to come up here. Pastor Bo Ireland, who did such a great job of leading that service yesterday. Bo has a a wonderful heart for congregational care and ministry, and it comes out anytime he has the chance to care for you or pray for you. Uh, If you ever have the chance to listen to him pray for someone, you'll see that heart come out. And it did yesterday. I was grateful. As we came in uh, yesterday to celebrate the life uh, through a service of resurrection and remembrance for Patsy McCall, a longtime church member, uh, somebody that over the years, Bo and I have both been blessed to be able to go and visit and see and get to know. As we were celebrating her life yesterday, I was grateful for something. Now, I was grateful for a lot of things. But one of the things in the service yesterday that I was grateful for uh, was the way in which Pastor Bo decided to handle the homily. A homily is another name for a sermon, usually kind of a short sermon. I'll tell you what, I have always believed that funerals and memorial services are not the right time to proselytize. I think that funerals and memorial services are the right time to share with people the love and the comfort of Jesus Christ and the hope that we can take and the knowledge, uh, the rest, to be able to rest in the knowledge that there will come a day when we will be able to see our, uh, our loved ones again, those people that we're grieving, to be reminded that even in the midst of our grief, because we share a hope in the shared resurrection of Jesus Christ, Because we share that hope, we're not grieving because we're not ever going to see that person again. We're grieving because we know that it's going to be a little while until we do. Pastor Bo did a great job of reminding us of that, even as we celebrated the life of a dear and special woman. But I was sitting there. I was sitting there, and part of the liturgy that the United Methodist Church uses to lead us through funerals and memorial services gives us an opportunity in the midst of the service to give thanks for other people who have gone on to be with the Lord, for other people who've passed away. And so I was sitting there, and I started thinking about some of those other people, you know, particularly in the last year. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but I have been uh, encouraged by some of the, the reports that hospitalizations are down right now, um, at least down more so than they have been in the year that has passed. I've been encouraged by that. Um, my family, like so many others have, or will, has been fortunate enough to to be able to participate in the vaccination process. We just got our second doses of the vaccine this past week. Um, And we're we're so grateful and blessed to be able to be a part of that and to watch as that vaccine spreads around the country to see how some of those cases are beginning to drop and we're starting to see guidance come from places like the CDC that are talking about uh, getting back together, coming together again. So while I know that, like you do, because we're living through it together, the pandemic is not yet over. I'm encouraged by some of the news. But I I was sitting there in the memorial service yesterday, and the, the liturgy encouraged me to reflect on people that I care about, to give thanks for people that have already gone on to be with the Lord. And so as I was doing that, I couldn't help but think about all of the people, over half a million of them in the United States alone, that passed away this year as a result of the pandemic that we have been surviving together. I was thinking about them because that was a half a million people that, um, you know, in spite of the, uh, all of the, the issues we would deal with in a normal year that would cause people to, to die, cause people to pass away. This was an unexpected one, and so it was about half a million people that we probably, can't say with, with certainty, but probably wouldn't have passed away if not for that, and so I was thinking about them. I was thinking about people that I know. I'm sure there are people that you know. I was thinking about uh, clergy members um, a couple of my, my good friends, Marsha and Clint Pertell, were, were both clergy here in this conference. In fact, um, Clint had retired. Marsha had moved to Epworth Villa, which is a United Methodist-affiliated retirement center in the north part of Oklahoma City, if you're if you're uh, from a different place, and so she had moved there to be the chaplain several years ago. I've, I I probably've known Marcia and Clint for 20 years. They used to come here after they moved to Oklahoma City. They started coming here to our Holy Week services every year at Easter time, and some of the other special events. Um, that we would have here at Southern Hills, and so uh, I was thinking about them. I was thinking about Marsha's infectious laugh and, and uh, Clint's smile. He had this way of smiling in such a warm way that it just made you feel better about yourself by being in his presence. Both of them passed away just a few weeks apart from one another, both of them from complications related to uh, the coronavirus. I was thinking about Gary Holdeman, my dad's dear friend, who had retired from ministry a few years ago and was loving life riding horses on his ranch in rural Oklahoma. I was thinking about how one of the last um, messages that we heard or saw or received from him came after he was in the hospital, after having come down with the coronavirus, and he simply said, just take this seriously. It's very difficult to get through. Gary didn't get through it. I was thinking about them, but I couldn't help then, but also think about some of the other people in my life who've passed on, even outside of this past year. I was thinking about my grandparents, right? Because I had four of them. All of them have gone on to be with the Lord. I was thinking about my nephew, Jake, who passed away tragically right after we were appointed here in 2016 as a result of a horrific car accident. And I remembered how uh, the the members of Southern Hills, even though we were new here and didn't really know anybody, rallied around us to make sure that we knew we were loved and supported and cared about. Some of the members of this church even drove to central Kansas, uh, just outside of Wichita, where my sister's family lives, to participate in the funeral so that we would know that there were people there who cared for, loved, and supported us. And so I was thinking about that, and in the process of giving thanks, for the lives of the people that I know that have gone on to be with the Lord. Sometimes the greatest comfort of the Holy Spirit comes in the form of a small reminder, even from heaven, that the people that we love and care for have shared in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Today, I want to spend just a little bit of time sharing with you a true story of comfort and just a few things to remember. My guess is that as I was talking about people, you know, I remember, gosh, I was sitting there thinking about the memories that I had, because you can't, when you're in the midst of a a moment like that at a funeral memorial service and the liturgy says, take a moment, give thanks to God for the people that you remember, you can't help but remember the stories about them, right? Right? I mean, I remember sitting there thinking about the the things that I wished I had said. My grandparents, I wouldn't say they were taken necessarily by surprise, but finding out that they had passed on was something that was certainly a surprise every time it happened. And I remember being there at the funerals or at the memorial services thinking that I wished there were some things that I had said. I wish I had done a better job of letting them know that I cared about them. I wish I had done a better job of letting them know that I loved them. I remember thinking about that. And for some reason, you'd think I would have learned my lesson, but I had the same thought at each one of their funerals. I remember thinking that about Jake. Jake's passing was so sudden and unexpected. Everyone in my generation, in my family, expected that Jake would be coming to our funerals. And so I remember sitting there at Jake's funeral, thinking about all the things I wish I could have said that thought I was going to have more time to say. But I also thought about the the experiences that I had that I can't help but think about without smiling when I think about them. Like Pop, for instance. My, my, My mom's dad, we called him Pop, and he had this, this habit of taking, he would get, get, go into the, uh, the kitchen, he would get a, a little piece of butter on our birthday and he would come and put it on our nose, right? He would just come and take like this much butter and just put it on our nose. Now, I wore glasses, right? So it smeared all over my glasses. And it, but he would do, he would thought, he thought it was the funniest thing in the world to do. I had no idea growing up that putting butter on someone's nose was not a normal thing to do on a birthday. I thought that's what we were supposed to do on birthdays. I remember talking uh, to friends about it for the first time and then realizing that that didn't happen in everybody else's family, right? I can't think about those kind of stories without laughing about them. I can't think about the kind of pranks that Jake used to play over and over and over again without smiling when I think about them. I don't know who you're thinking about. but I would imagine you miss them. Grieving is normal. Grieving is is normal and it's healthy. We don't grieve because we don't think we're ever going to see them again. We grieve because we know it's going to be a little while until we do so today. I want to spend a couple of minutes talking with you about some things you can remember even in the midst of grief about whomever it is you might be thinking about right now who's gone on to be with the Lord. Would you pray with me? Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us, melt us and mold us, fill us and use us. But Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. Amen. Death is no respecter of persons. It was probably just a, a few weeks ago that you heard me say that about cancer, right? Cancer is no respecter of persons. Cancer is not a, a respecter of ethnic, ethnicities or of uh, hopes and dreams. Death is not. Death is not a respecter of persons. It doesn't, death is not a respecter of your age. Death is not a respecter of your past. Death is not a respecter of your hopes. Death is not a respecter of your gender or your culture. Death is not a respecter of persons. It comes for all of us. Joyce thought that she had beaten death, at least in the short term, because she had fought breast cancer and won. From an early age, she'd had a strong faith. In fact, right out of high school, she had decided to join a convent, uh, a local convent in Illinois where she grew up. She she went in for a couple of years. You may not know this, but it's really common for monastics, uh, people who join a convent or a monastery to, uh, after taking vows, take on uh, another name, uh, some, some name that symbolizes uh, some virtue or uh, virtue associated with a person or something like that that they want to carry into their monastic life, almost like you hear uh, about the pope doing when the pope takes on a new name. It's really common for monastic people to do that. And so when she went into uh, her convent, she uh, went through the exploratory period, she took vows, and she took on a new name. But it wasn't long after that that she found out that her uh, birth family had fallen on hard times. So after a lot of prayer and discernment, she decided to pull away from her convent and go back home to help her parents to run the family business. They were able to keep things afloat. They were able to get through a very difficult time. And eventually, later, Joyce would marry. She married. She had one son named Jason. Jason was a teenager when his father had passed away. And so for a lot of his life, it was just Jason and Joyce, just Jason and his mom. When Jason grew up, he decided that he wanted to be a hairdresser and he wanted to live in Oklahoma City, uh, excuse me, in New York City. And so he followed that dream, ended up moving to New York City, but he and his mom stayed in close contact with one another. Now it had always been um, a, a source of sadness for her that Jason did not share her faith. He did early on in life, but he had had some some negative uh, feelings about the passing of his father, about the fact that he had prayed for his father not to pass on, and his father had passed on anyway, and he had struggled to reconcile that. And so as a result of that, he had kind of moved towards an agnostic or an atheistic view um, of faith and life. He really didn't believe that there was a God, and he really didn't believe that there was an afterlife anymore. So it was something that they would talk about often enough every year when it was time for Joyce to go back to the doctor to get her annual checkup, Jason would buy a plane ticket and he would fly back home and go with her. She never asked him to do that because she knew how expensive the tickets were. Jason also never asked. He just bought a ticket and came home so that his mother would not have to go through that experience alone. It just so happened that one of those years she ended up... Um, having a, a couple of things that the doctor was concerned about, and that resulted in an exploratory surgery. So Jason was there. While his mother was in recovery, the doctor who would known Jason, Jason had been there with his mother through her struggles with breast cancer, through the fight. He had been there to rejoice and celebrate when she'd beaten it. The doctor knew Jason, so the J- uh, doctor pulled Jason aside while his mother was recovering and said, uh, Jason, I am so sorry to have to be the one to tell you this, but... Not only has your mother's cancer returned, but I'd be surprised if she has three months left. Doctor said, do you want to tell her? Do you want me to tell her? What would you prefer? News like that doesn't come in at a good time and it doesn't come in a good way. And so Jason, dealing with the immediate shock of one of their worst fears returning, one of his worst fears returning, one of what he knew was his mother's worst fear returning. Sat there and processed it for a second, looked back at the doctor and said, no, let this come from me. So she recovered from uh, kind of a minor exploratory surgery. They ended up leaving the next day and they were going out to run some errands on the way home. His mother was somewhat excited to be out of the hospital. Jason knew he needed to tell her and she was Jason's mother. So she knew something was wrong. They're sitting in the car getting ready to run one of the errands, and she looks at Jason and she says, Jason, what is it? Jason would later write. He would later say, I didn't even need to say anything. When I looked at her, the tears that were running down my face told the entire story. He said, I watched as My mother's eyes widened and the blood began to drain from her face. All I could think of to say was, Mom, I'm so sorry. She said she looked at me and said, how long do I have? Jason said I told her that the doctor said he'd be surprised if you had three months. And so that led to a series of conversations about next steps. Next steps that ended up being her last steps. Jason decided to take a month off of work and stay there with his mom. He wanted to help her uh, get, get things in order, but he also wanted to spend some time her. And so they did. They, they, you know, took care of one thing and then took care of another thing, making sure that things were in order as much as possible. Joyce knew that that was a way she could show love. Jason knew it was a way he could show love. And they both very much wanted to show love to one another, so they did that. But while they were doing that, they would talk. They would talk about all kinds of things. They would talk about religion. They would talk about politics. They would talk about philosophy. They would talk about anything that came to mind, such that at the end of that month, when Jason was getting back on the plane to go back to New York. Had to go back to back to work. And he gave his mother a hug and said goodbye, both of them knowing that it was very possible that that could be the last time they saw each other. He got on that plane, and he would later say that when he got on the plane, he felt okay, because he felt like they had had the chance to talk through a lot of things, share good time together he said I was grateful that I, I got to say to my mom the things that I would have wanted to say. News like that never comes at a good time, and so in spite of the fact that he was expecting a phone call, he was still very surprised when it came. He got a phone call from the hospital. Joyce had been admitted and they didn't expect that she had very much time. So Jason immediately bought a ticket, got onto the first plane he could get on. He was sitting on the plane, in the air, when he experienced a sense of overwhelming grief. Sensation passed, he landed, got to the hospital, found out that he was too late, that in spite of his best efforts, not only had she passed away, but she had passed away at the exact moment that he had felt the sense of overwhelming grief while he was on the airplane. The funeral came and went, always being such an important way for people who love a person to give thanks for their life. And he spent some time cleaning up her, the house, taking care of, of her affairs. They had already put things in order, so it wasn't a very difficult process, any more so than it would be for anybody. But as he was kind of taking care of some of the, the items that um, they had prepared and, and taking some of the steps that needed to be taken, he found an envelope. And it just had his name on, it just said Jason, in his mother's handwriting. And so he opens the envelope. Inside of the envelope is a note. He pulled the note out, and the note simply said, Jason... This is very important to me, so I just wanted you to have it so that you would have something to remember me by. Signed, Mom. He looked into the envelope and he saw a cross. He immediately recognized the cross as the one that she had been given when she joined the convent early on in her adult life. He kind of looked it over, there was something inscribed on the back of it, and um, ended up taking it and wearing it under his shirt. And it would would just so happen that even though he no longer shared her, her belief system, he would wear that cross every day under his shirt because it made him feel close to his mother. Eventually, he made his way back to New York, went back to work. And then one day, about three months after the passing of his mother, a client came in that he didn't often speak to. This client, like his mother, had recently been diagnosed with breast cancer. And while they they didn't often talk, it was that shared connection that that got them started talking in the first place. She kind of asked where he'd been. He told the story. She then then told him about having recently been diagnosed. And so they'd had a couple of conversations about it. She came back in one day. And he was in the process of uh, taking care of her hair, and she said, Jason, I've got to tell you something. And Jason said, okay. He would, always, he would later say, be like, you know, there are two different kinds of clients of a kind that come in and they just want to talk up a storm, tell you their whole life story, get some counseling done while they're there, and then there's the other kind that, like, don't want you to speak to them at all the whole time you're there. He said, I always like the other ones better who like to talk a little bit because I enjoy having a chance to build some relationship with people while we're there doing that, he said, but this was not common for her. In spite of that, we just had this shared connection a couple of weeks ago, um, so I, I wanted to be there for her. I just didn't want to be pushy, and so um, she looked at me, said, and, and she said, Jason, i got to tell you something, and he said, I, I looked back at her and said, okay, you know, you Tell me anything, and she said, "Well, it's going to sound really weird." And he said, "That's okay." She said, "For the last couple of days, I've just had this weird sense that I needed to tell you that uh, somebody named A- Avery, Avery Mary, or uh, Anita—I think it's Anita—somebody named Anita Mary is okay." Jason, you know, he received that kindly because it was a little weird, (laughs) and so finished her hair, said, said goodbye to her. Then he was sitting in the break room when he remembered that there was an inscription on the back of the cross. Pulled it out of his shirt, looked at it, and sure enough, on the back of the cross was the monastic name that his mother had taken when she had joined that convent, a name that only the other sisters in the convent knew about. Her name, of course, was Sister Anita Mary. Sometimes the greatest comfort that the Holy Spirit offers happens in the small reassurance, even from heaven, that the people that we love who've gone on to be with the Lord are sharing in the resurrection of Christ. What does that mean for you and me? It means they're very much there. It means that like Paul says, Paul writes in uh, his his letter to the church in Corinth that we read today that we're not we're not all going to die but we will all be changed. And I remember the first time I read that I thought that when he said that we won't die, but we will all be changed, he must have been referring to what Christians commonly talk about as the second coming of Christ, when we're all taken up and some of us uh, won't die. You know, there's a uh, we'll, we'll talk about that one day. If you're new to the faith, I would encourage you to read some of the writings of Christ, particularly in Mark or in Revelation. But I thought that's what... Um, Uh, Paul was talking about. It wasn't until I was in seminary and I had the chance to study it that I found out that that wasn't what he meant at all. He was talking about the fact that the existence that we will move to when we go on to be with the Lord is a much more real existence than the one that you and I are living here in right now, uh, according to what you've heard me talk about as the wounded ethic of a broken world. There will come a day, Revelation tells us, when there's going to be no more pain and no more suffering, no more tears. And we associate that with two things. One is the second coming of Christ, when all of uh, creation is redeemed according to God's original plan. But the other is what happens when we go on to be with the Lord. The ancient Jewish people had this belief that when you died, you stayed in the ground. Until the second coming, until the resurrection. And they believed that the resurrection was literally that God would bring back to life all the people who were buried in the ground. That changed. With the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the crucifixion on the cross, the resurrection of the empty tomb. When Christ descends for uh, three days and then goes to be uh, at God's side, sitting at the right hand of God the Father, and in so doing brings God's people to dwell together with Christ where Christ is. In my Father's house, Jesus says, there are many rooms. I go there to prepare a place for you, and I will come back and get you, and I will take you to where I'm going so that you can live there together with us. Those people are with God. They exist, and their existence is very, very much more real than the one that you and I experience now. So I would encourage you to remember three very simple things as you think about those people. That you care about, that you love, that you grieve, that you missed. And the first of them is that where they are right now, they know. They know all of it. They know everything that you wish you could have said, but didn't have time to say because when you found out that they passed, it was a surprise. They know how you felt when you found out that they had passed. They know that you've cried, thinking about the ways that you wish you could have shown love to them better than you believe that you did. They know about the times that you've cried, wishing that you could spend time with them here on earth, that you're not going to be able to spend with them now because they're in a different place than you are. They know how much you long to see them again. How do we know that? Because the Scriptures say that on that day, when that day comes for us, when it comes for you and when it comes for me, we will fully know even as we have been fully known. Why? Because we share in the resurrection and the eternal life of God in Jesus Christ. The Scriptures tell us that we know. They know. They know that you love them. They know that you're sorry for the things that you did that you believe hurt them but either never had the time or the courage to apologize for and ask for forgiveness. They know that you feel bad. That you allowed too much time to go by without reconciling. And now you feel like you can't. They know that you miss them. They know that you love them. They know that you would change some things if you could. And that at the top of that list is that you just wish you could tell them the things that you'd love to tell them or or share the experiences that you haven't gotten to have or won't get to have. They know those things. And they love you too. Dearly, deeply, unconditionally. Immeasurably. They know. Scriptures tell us so. And they love you unconditionally and immeasurably with a healthy love and a whole love that comes directly from the God that they're now in eternity with. How do, how do we know that? Because we know that they're also healed. They're healed. They're healed from the things that hurt and wounded them while they were here. They're healed from the physical struggles that they dealt with. The Scriptures are clear about that. And I've often wondered, like you have, Paul talks about how this perishable body must put on imperishability. That this mortal body must put on immortality. And so I've always wondered what that immortal, imperishable body must look like. And what it must feel like for my grandfather with his bad knees to be running through the fields of his childhood or whatever that looks like where he is together with my family members, and God. They're healed. They're healed of the pain that came from living a life in a world with a wounded and broken ethic. They lived in a broken world like you are living in a broken world. And they were wounded as a result. Maybe they were abused, mistreated, unloved, forgotten, made fun of. Treated poorly, they've healed. They've healed, and where they are is a place where they don't experience those things now. They, they experience the love and the joy, uh, the, the kind of love that is not only transformative for you and I, but is eternal where they are unconditional, proactive, sacrificial, and immeasurable love that flows from the throne of heaven that they get to bask in, sit in, and enjoy for all of eternity. They're healed. And because of that, they're waiting. They're waiting for you. They know it's going to be a little while until they get to see you again, until you get to see them. The Scriptures tell us that time is different in heaven, that a thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. So my hope, even though I'm not there yet, is that the waiting feels more like a day than a thousand years. They're waiting for you. There's this book that came out a long time ago. um, And it it got a mixed reaction. It was called Heaven is for Real. And it's about the story of this little boy who has a near-death experience and his parents are preachers and they write about it. And people like had a terribly mixed reaction. They, They either thought it was amazing or they thought it was terrible. There was not a lot of in between, right? You already know that on the subject of miracles, uh, I fall into the category of just because you haven't experienced it and don't understand it doesn't mean that it's not possible, right? There's this story there in that there's a few stories in that book that are really encouraging to me. One of them is when uh, the the little boy after this has happened, he's visit, he's going to, tagging along with his dad as his dad is visiting people. There's somebody who is uh, pretty close to passing away from cancer, and his dad goes to visit this person, pray for him. Um, and the little boy's there, and he's quiet the whole time until he's about to leave. The dad has prayed. They're going to go. The little boy stops, turns around, looks at the man and says, don't worry. The first person you see is Jesus. There's another part of that story where the little boy's coloring one day. And he just brings up the name of this girl that he met while in heaven. parents almost emotionally can't handle it because she tells him to tell them that she can't wait to meet them and that she forgives them. The little boy had no idea that they had miscarried a, a daughter long before he was ever born, that they had named that little girl and that they, even though, it listen to this, even though it wasn't their fault, they bore this guilt. There's nothing they could have done. But they carried this guilt for years. So here's what I hope, right? Now the scriptures don't expressly say what I'm about to say to you, but it's what I hope. I hope the first person I see is Jesus. I really do. I hope that that was true. I can't imagine why it wouldn't be because I can't wait to see what it feels like to actually be wrapped up in a physical embrace by the Son of God. And I hope that all those people I've already told you about are standing there right behind Jesus ready to greet me. They're waiting. They know. They're healed. They're waiting. They know when you celebrate an anniversary or a, a birthday. Remember the date of their passing. They know when you're doing that. And they're celebrating together with you. You know, celebration and grief don't, are not two things that are mutually exclusive. So I would encourage you to celebrate and grieve those things together. Grieve is nothing more than love. When the object of your love is not there to receive it. Grief is love. So grieve and celebrate and love and trust that they know and they see because they're healed and they're waiting and they're enjoying that and then enjoy the opportunity to talk with them about it when you finally get to see them again because they're waiting for you where they are now. Sometimes the greatest comfort that the Holy Spirit provides happens in the form of reassurance even from heaven that the people that you love have shared in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you will too. Would you pray with me? God, we're so very grateful for the lives of the people that we've been remembering throughout the day today. Whoever it is we've thought about, wherever and whenever we might be, whoever it is we're thinking about, remembering, grieving, loving, missing, whoever we've been sad about because we didn't get a chance to tell them the things that we wanted to say because their their passing was such a surprise to us. Those that we've grieved over because their struggle while they were here was so great. A grief that we we bear, not because we don't think we'll see them again, but because we know it will be a little while until we do. And so, God, I pray for those, for those of us who are remembering wherever and whenever we are, and for the grief that we share, God, I pray that you would help us to know. I pray that you would help us to remember that they know, that they are healed, and that they are waiting, And that they're doing all of those things. Together with you. As We ask in your name. thank you so much for listening this week we'll hope you will join us again next time also be sure to check out our Facebook page at Southern Hills United Methodist Church as well as our website at www.shumcokc.org thank you